Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is the Other Life Podcast, where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I could not do this without you all. So thanks. And now, on to the show. All right, we are live. What's up, world? Other Life Podcast, live from the home studio. We have a special guest here with us tonight. Jacob has wrangled me uh our first interesting outsider outside of our friend group really so far so okay. thank you for that jacob oh, sweet well outside of your friend friend group not outside of mine yeah. sure fair enough i just mean out of the the other life inner circle in austin you're mm. the first person to join us in the yeah. in the home studio cool so we're very happy to have you for for the audience i should tell people a little bit about josh we have here josh lehman is the director of the urbit foundation so basically this guy is in charge of distributing grants and things like that to basically steer the the different strategic priorities of urbit and and how it develops as a project so is that a good summary yeah yeah that's that's pretty good did i did i sell you short no okay no, not at all yeah, all right you know, we, so if you know. if you would like money to work on urbit uh yeah, if you if you want to make some money to do really cool shit like uh hit me up we can uh, we can make some things happen. There you go. So you were telling me over dinner that you're you're a true believer, Josh. You're yeah. you're a true believer. I would love to kick off this podcast with just a strong give us give us give us the bull case for Urbit in your own in your own words. How how you how do you think about it? Like what makes you a true believer? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been a true believer for a long time. Um, just because Urbit is a incredibly audacious project, they're reinventing computing. They're, they're starting from the very base, taking assembly language, building up on top of um, just a, a whole new stack, which no one does. Like no one has done that in any recent time. Um, they've had many opportunities to fail and they have not. Uh, they're still here quietly plugging along, building Urbit. Um, they're, they're very, it's a very hype averse organization. They're just there building urban and here it is. Yeah. They're like anti-hype. They're anti-hype, like strongly anti-hype. They've been uh, for a long time, like trying very hard to be uh, not that approachable. It's, it's kind of like the opposite of a lot of crypto projects that you see nowadays yes. where yeah. like they're, they're hype first and then eh, does, it, just, does, does it work? Something. Maybe someday. Yeah. Urban has worked for a long time since 2013. I mean, it didn't work very well, but it did work. Um, and then over the course of that time, it has been working better and better and better um, as the mental model has gotten better about how to build this, this crazy thing to deserve it. Um, now it's at a point where there's a product that exists on Urbit that um, hundreds, thousands of people use every day. Um, the whole Talon organization is basically run on it. Um, and there are many more that are as well. Um, there's, I don't, I don't even know so, how so, many communities. So they're not using Slack at. There's Plon. no Slack. No, <laughs> okay. Thank God they're not using Slack. Um, I used to use Slack. Um, that's why I didn't get any work done. Talon, you know, there's a, there's a saying that, and I'm going to forget who actually said it, but that the, uh, the software that an organization builds, um, ends up resembling the organizational structure of, 
um, of the organization mm. itself. Um, Talon is all about calm computing, which is the kind that does not annoy the shit out of you um, and bug you all day long. Um, and Urban is that kind of software and they're that kind of place to work at. They're calm. Um, we quietly get things done. Uh, and they're so privacy centric that you don't even know how many users you have. <laughs> that's correct. We don't have a way to really calculate it. We're, we're, we're working on it. I released yeah. a grant today um, to allow anyone to run a program on their ship that will count up the total number of messages that have been sent to the time period um, in a group, um, which is our way of saying, if we can if we can get enough people running this and giving us some information about what's going on throughout Urbit, then we can have an idea of what's going on. And hopefully people will give us that. But otherwise, we really have mm. no way of knowing. Right. Yeah. So give us like, give us some unhinged futurism. Jacob can chime in here, I'm sure also, no, like in an, in an ideal world on any timeline that's relevant, like a, 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 a world that adopts Urbit, what does that world look like? You know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a, <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a quiet takeover. Okay. Right. So it's a slow, gradual thing. And then all of a sudden everyone's on Urbit and yeah. it's like you, you, you didn't see it coming. We don't exactly know when the tipping point's going to be, mm. but people are moving there. They're there now. Um, they've been, some have been there for a long time. Some have been there not very long, but it's definitely growing. Do you have any sense of the dynamics, like any numbers or metrics you can give at all that, that indicates a sense of the proportions? Yeah. I mean, I notice about four to five new groups a week. Uh, they're, they're public, at least. I don't know how many private groups there are, and there isn't any way of knowing that at all. But at least people that take the time to advertise the group that they've made, uh, there's there's a few of them every week. Um, that's quite a bit more than there used to be. The, the problem we're having now is that originally there was one main group. It was Urban Community, and the, the software landscape was built such that when you got into it, it encouraged you to join this group. Um, and we used the number of people in that group as an indicator of roughly how many people were on the network. Uh, what we're noticing now is that that group is starting to quiet down a little bit, but many other groups are taking off. Uh, there's tons of activity and all kinds of them all over the place that aren't urban community. Um, and this is actually what we hoped would happen is that urban ends up forming like these little archipelagos um, of different scattered societies right. um, that start building up and you know, whatever they're doing, we don't know. So, so that's pretty lit, right? Uh, so. be, be, well, well, like the idea that like, you know, if you have a private group on Facebook, like Facebook definitely knows you exist mm -hmm. and they definitely know it might say private on, on the label, but Facebook definitely knows every message that you've ever sent. Yeah. Uh, but a private group on Urbit, like Urbit, the organization, like you with your inside knowledge, you know, your, your God's eye view of, of Urbit, or at least you could get that. Um, that you still, there's no way for people at Urbit to know about the private groups on Urbit. No, there's no technical way. And that's the, that's the secret sauce. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems to me that in a world where Urbit gets mass adoption, what I envision is it's sort of like, it's basically this super private kind of alternative internet. And there's an Urbit Substack, there's an Urbit Twitter, there's an Urbit Facebook, there's basically an Urbit version of all of the things we now associate with the internet, mm -hmm. but it's in this highly robust, highly private way um, that's just on a totally different networking model, like basically yeah. a different kind of internet. And is that's that, probably how it starts. That's how it starts. Okay. It starts that way because those are the models that we have to work with. It's the same right. way that email resembles mail. In fact, it's got mail in the name. It actually doesn't really work like mail. You know, it has an inbox, mm -hmm. which is a really good way of, you know, thinking about what an email inbox is. Right. It's very different than the traditional inbox. Um, but, you know, we have to latch on to things that 
uh, we have some relationship to. So I think it starts by resembling existing mediums of communication that we've seen. We don't exactly know where it's going to go, though. There's a very different feeling about using social software that you actually truly own and no one can take away from you and is never going to go anywhere unless everyone unanimously decides to just stop using it. Like it can't disappear. So that actually just leads intrinsically to different ways of interacting because there are things that you're just no longer worried about. Um, and, and it's hard to describe without actually using it. Uh, but but there is something qualitatively different. So the examples would be like fears of being doxxed, which are pervasive in the, the public web today. This yeah. type of problem would kind of go away and it would change the psychology of, yeah, of creating mean, and interacting. Yeah, mm. fears of being doxxed is one, um, you know, in, in the censorship things. But even more subtly than that, it's just like the fear of impermanence. You know, so much of what you do in any kind of cloud environment is there's always this feeling of, well, I don't know how long the service is going to be here. And if it's right. a Google service, it may not last very long. Getting all your Google YouTube videos don't last very erased. Long. Well, I, th I think one yeah. of the worst things about the current internet is not the impermanence or the permanence, but the, the lack of visibility into how permanent something will be. Mm -hmm. Like The if, lack of say. Yeah, like if you if you post something on Twitter, um, if it gets, you know, Twitter's not very searchable. It's hard to even like pull down your own timeline totally. and, and search it. And then, um, you know, so there's a sense that, that, like your your old tweets are getting lost to the sands of time, but at the same time they're not lost to the sands of time. Like you might not have good visibility into people's old tweets, but someone that's an enemy that has bad uh, bad <clears throat> motives might still have the patience to dig through your old tweets in particular. <clears throat> so so it's like not it's both like it, it lacks the permanence that would make it useful, and it lacks the impermanence that would make it safe yeah. right because you have no say by yeah. the way so there are some people in the chat asking uh about urbit if you want the basics just go back to my interview with ted blackman from a year or two ago where we went over all the basics of urbit we're not going to go over the basics we're just kind of talking about where where josh thinks it's going and you know it's there's more and more documentation now so if you actually i put links in the show notes to urbit you can now get your own hosted ship they make it very easy to do that and there's good documentation and blog posts on urbit now so it's not too hard to find yeah. for yourself a little bit more detail, but it's basically a totally alternative kind of networking model. It's it's like a different kind of way of running an internet, basically, yeah. uh, is the short way to put it. And what we're, one of the things we're trying to do right now is just basically think about what it looks like and and when it when it's fully developed and when there is the adoption that true believers expect or hope for. You know, I'm trying to think think through what that involves, and it's like the problems that Jacob's addressing or pointing out right now. It seems to me that. It's like in an ideal world, Urbit is basically this like high, it's basically like a highly customizable kind of uh, interface where it's like, instead of logging on to an internet now where you have all these different websites, right? You have these login credentials for Facebook, for Twitter, for YouTube. And then there's all of these weird accumulated UI and, and experience problems that people complain about, like not being able to find your own tweets, all this kind of chaos and uh, kind of undesirable aspects in a, in a, I'm imagining that a fully developed mass adopted urbit is kind of like i log on to urbit and i basically have all of these different things that i like and want and do but in this highly uh in, in this highly customizable sort of interface where it's integrated and my my privacy uh slash publicity is defined in these like highly precise ways to my liking is this like am i asking too much for it or am i over idealizing it or am i on the right track it could be that. It's it could not, be. It's definitely not there today. Right. Um, the, the model, 
just the model for an, a network application existing is totally different. Um, today, when you use Facebook, Facebook runs Facebook, and then you access it through your browser. On Urbit, everyone runs Facebook, assuming Facebook existed on Urbit, which it doesn't. But if something like it did, for um, Furbit, Facebit, for Fa Facebook, yeah, okay. Facebook so we'll for furries. It, we'll call it, yeah. Oh, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. So if if this thing existed, the way it looks is everyone is running it, and their version of it is talking to the other people that are running it. And the fact that you're running Furbit and I'm running Furbit <laughs> is how we're able to communicate. Is because we're both running the same program. So you're not really running um, like instead of logging into a service, what you're really doing is running a protocol. Yes. Like so you're you're defining protocols and interfaces. You're defining networked protocols. Yeah. Um, where the networking has some primitives built into it, which are identity, right? Um, a strong sense of identity where you can verify it through the same encryption that you use for uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin. Um, and well, I mean, that's really the sort of the crux of it um, is that we have a, a networking stack in which the packets that you send, the, the bits of information that go from point A to point B over um, over a pipe on the internet um, are signed with your identity so we know who they are. So you never have to uh, think about having databases of users because that's just a primitive at the level, at the computing level. Like we always know that you're a person on this network and you have to be one in order to use it. So that's just something that is no longer, it's, it's no longer something you think about. Right. And that's that's one example. Um, there, there are other parts that have been built into the foundation of this computer. That's what Urbit is. It's just a computer um, that, you know, we wish like, it would have been good to have been built into Unix, but weren't because there was no internet at the time that Unix was created, uh, which is what our current stack is built on. So we've kind of been looking back for, you know, the last 50 years of computing and said, all right, well, uh, what things emerged, let's act as though some of these things that emerged um, should be there in the foundation of a computer and build around those. Um, and that's like networking. Right. right for one. So now, now correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, Josh, too. Like an, an, another thing would be like um, these applications, when you interact with someone, you get to define like who you're interacting with. Yes. So, so like I would like to use Twitter um, without any New York Times reporters or friends of New York Times reporters, right? Like I use the block NYT like plugin and not, and not anything against the New York Times. Like, you know, I'm sure, okay. I'm sure many of the people that work there are good people. Um, it's just, we, we love them. It, yeah. It's just that, that, you know, modern journalism has turned into a thing where like they'll randomly pick up private people or private groups and like elevate their profile to the national level with some sort of moral opprobrium. And some, for some reason, people enjoy this. Like, like, like they did with Slate, like they did with Slate Star Codex. And like, so I just don't want them on my internet. Like I would love to use internet, internet with no New York Times reporters. And then if I wanted to interact with them, we would set up, you know, right. an explicit interaction. Right. And, and on Urbit, I can do that. Yeah. Or I can have my friends or, and not have whoever I don't want to interact. Like, and I have, I can have whoever I want to interact with and not whoever I don't. That's right. And we can use an application. Like Twitter is this universal like pool of people, right? Like it's all these memes and, and wars and it's a, it's a war zone. It's yeah. a, it's a Petri dish for the entire world. It's every sort of yeah, idea that's, germ. That's, that's thrown around a lot lately, which is censorship. It's like, okay, well, what about censorship? Let's deal with censorship. Is, is Urban censorship free? Well, no, it's just that it, it, it's all about who does the censorship <laughs> in Urban, It's you like, and in my day-to-day -day life, this is what I do. I censor all the people I don't want to talk to. Um, there's plenty of people I don't talk to because I don't want to talk to them. 
Um, so yes, they're personally censored by me. Right. And Urban is a model that resembles that, right? What I what, what no one really particularly likes is when you're told you can't talk to this person or you can't consume this information. And that's what we have on today's centralized hmm. services is someone else in the middle saying, you know, no, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to look at that. So, so, I, so I get to be my own censor. Yep. Or if I have a group of people, like we get to, you I guess, to define our own way of That's right. managing it. Yep. So Josh, maybe, and Jacob too, if you have any input on this, maybe you guys could speak a little bit too. I have a lot of uh, creators in my audience, people, mm -hmm. writers, YouTubers, whatever, different types of creators. And mm -hmm. there, I think in the creator community, there's increasing awareness that these big platforms that a lot of people are increasingly hitching their their salaries to. You know, there's a lot of people nowadays who, who are getting their main paycheck from, whether it be Substack or Patreon or what have you. But there's an increasing sensitivity to you know, the, the political frailty of, of these, these dependencies. And I know that Urbit is at least starting to think about um, different types of programs or initiatives or possibilities that are really lend themselves more to the creator economy. I wonder if you could just give us a little bit of an update on how you're thinking about that or what does the future look like uh, for Urbit? I know I've recently kind of been, I forget who, but someone DM me um, talking to me a little bit about some ideas that are brewing up from Urbit about People doing, you know, blogs within Urbit or Substacks within Urbit, you know, some kind of some some kind of something similar to that. Just could you could you speak a little bit to this and, and where this is going or how you see it? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I mean, one way you can think about Urbit is that it's a it's a personal platform. Um, you know, right now your your platform that you think about is your voice across different services that you're renting. Um, what you put on Urbit, you own you are responsible for the connections you form there and you own those connections. And again, there's no middleman. So, you know, it, it all, like a big part of, of Urbit, what, what we say at, or what Talon likes to say is uh, that Urbit is simple, it's durable and it's yours. And the yours thing is very important here. It's with any platform, um, any creator economy, what you're dealing with is a lot of people uh, that are subscribing to you in some way. Um, they, they want to follow you. The problem is, is that you don't actually own those relationships. Those are defined through a database that you don't own. Mm -hmm. You're just a record there, and there's a bunch of relationships to the people that have decided to follow you. Mm -hmm. But 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 RSS. But RSS. RSS yeah. was 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 a protocol, was a protocol. Where, where you did own whoever you followed. Yeah, I mean, right. not necessarily whoever followed you is a one-way protocol, right? But the glory days of mm -hmm. back when RSS was a thing. Yeah, it was great. But nowadays, it's all in a database like yeah. Facebook's database or Twitter's database. They and, can nuke you. Right. They, they can do yeah. whatever they and want. This is maybe the really interesting thing. Like, you know, the, the Internet, there have been many open protocols. There still are um, that that the Internet allows for. And if people implement those protocols, then they can communicate in a peer-to-peer -peer way. WebRTC is a good example of this. Um, RSS is one of these in which you can have these sort of um, th these ways of actually having some ownership over the way that you interact. But what we've seen is that over and over and over again, these protocols get squashed in favor of centralized services that do better than the protocols can. Like the market ends up being such that a company can build something that is better than RSS. Mm -hmm. And you know, why, why does that keep happening? Well, I can't say I know for certain, but one of the things is that, Building anything on today's internet is really fucking hard. It's really hard mm. because 
the stack that you build on is very difficult to work with. There's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of what you'd call incidental complexity, problems that you have to solve that have nothing to do with what it is that you're actually trying to build. If you've ever built a web application, you tried to build a weekend project and gone, okay, great. I just have to you know, build this cool social thing. And then I got to build an authentication system. And I got to administer a database mm -hmm. and I got to deploy it somewhere. I got to make sure I secure that. And server. this is basically kind of like technical debt that's accumulated just because of Over how the internet has years, evolved, right? Yes, it's evolved yeah. as a sequence of additive changes on top of... of yeah, if, if you just didn't have to deal with like user authentication, like... That's a huge one. It's a huge thing, yeah. And security. Well, okay, so there are there are uh, services that will solve that for you today. They're still a, bit, a little bit of a pain to use, but then you're on someone's central like user mm -hmm. database, yeah, you can right? Use Office like, Zero. Yeah. You know, or, and then if they if they feel ever you. feel like cutting you off, you're cut off. So yeah. basically, I think where you're where you're driving at is that Urbit basically wipes away all of that technical debt and this yeah. messy accumulated. Well, and this is why Urbit is why you know for a very long time it was a research project because they said, well, we have to reinvent the computer, right? The problem isn't that. We just need to build a better protocol. It's that the foundation we're building protocols on isn't good enough to build any maintainable software that is actually going to last very long because you can't build anything that works very well without a legion of people to maintain it and keep it running. Um, it requires just too much specialized knowledge. So we have to simplify the whole thing was the, the urban philosophy. We have to make it simple enough to where a person can get an order of magnitude force multiplier in their productivity to the point that they can build something that is actually workable uh, without the associated cost of the current internet stack. Right. Right on. You're really good at this. Oh, thanks, man. So are there... Urbit should hire you. Yeah, they should. So are there any... Give us a snapshot, if you would, of... I mean, are there any... Are there creators who are super active on Urbit as we speak who are, you know, doing all of their... or their main kind of publishing and creation, whether they're writers or I don't know, whatever different types of people you might have on there. But can you give us some sense of what types of people are on there now and what they're creating and what that mm -hmm. looks like? Yeah. For one, I mean, Urbit, there's a, there's kind of like a strong, almost artistic culture to the thing. Um, you see a lot of, you know, you see, you see a good amount of memes, which makes <laughs> sense because that's sort of a thing these days. Yeah. Uh, one of the, Top shelf meme, meme lords. Top shelf meme lord. Okay. Um, one of the things you see on Urbit is that I found really fascinating is, uh, you know, you, I'm sorry. You know how I know when <laughs> Urbit will have made it is when like one of the popular memes that everyone knows about um, has Urban come from there. from Urbit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah. Right now, like, yeah. where where do memes come from? Um, like everybody says 4chan, and 4chan does have a lot of memes. I think Reddit might birth some memes. Yeah. Um, I think Twitter might even birth some memes nowadays, but, yeah. uh, but for sure, uh, like yeah. when we start yeah. all, yeah. all swapping, uh, an urbit meme, an urbit generated meme, like every, nobody will say it came from urbit, yeah. but that's it, when it will have made it. In the future, they're going to be entire departments that study the origins of memes. Meme archaeology. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's going to be a thing. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted uh, you. You were talking about something cool going on in urbit <laughs> besides. Well, just something okay, cool but... that's going on is the, the artwork around identity. Mm. Um, you know, Urbit, there's this simple thing. Like if you're, if you're using Urbit, you get a, you know, when you have a ship, you have a name. Um, it's human pronounceable. It looks like nonsense, uh, but they're actually pretty easy to learn uh, because they're human pronounceable. Um, so I'm Woolruff Podlex. 
I'm Hattrick's last stud. There you go. <laughs> right? Are you the last stud, Justin? <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty badass. Isn't yeah, that's it? pretty good. Hattrick's yeah. last, last stud. stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I am the last stud. I'm the last, last alpha stud. of the of of yeah. the normal public web. So they're fun. Yes. Right now, they also they come with the 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 designers at Talon are really brilliant. They created this way of mapping the urban ID. Each of one of these is just a number uh-huh. into what they call sigil, which right. is little graphic that's generated based on the number um and every one of them is unique and they're kind of cool looking yeah and so there's this huge amount of emerging artwork that involves incorporating these sigils into different kinds of visual representations um there's a someone on twitter you can find Tokrex holpen is is uh is their pat p as we call it their their urban identity um who's done all of these pen and ink drawings that have they're, they're all female figures that have this, you know, sort of black face with a sigil and white onto it. And they're pen and ink, so they're all black and white. Um, and each one of the characters is is very unique. That's actually my avatar at Urban is the one that was done of me. Um, and they're just these hand-drawn drawings that, that this person's done. Right on. Um, so that's one element of it is the fact that people have identities on this network and they, they build art out of it. Right. Um, now, can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. All right. So if you sold your Urbit sigil as an NFT, would that be... Which it is an NFT. Yeah. But if you sold it, uh, I guess, on a different NFT network, one of these ones that people are using to sell them on uh, for Ethereum <laughs> to auction, right? Like, would that be the equivalent of selling your soul? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I, I just seen a lot of people on Twitter trying to sell their souls recently. Um, well, so I'm yeah, like, if you want to sell your soul, you can do it on Urbit right now. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I um, wouldn't recommend uh, it. Wouldn't recommend it. Recommend it. <laughs> wouldn't recommend yeah. it. I'm just speaking yeah. to how yeah, one. Dude, I saw some guy. I saw some guy selling an NFT that was claiming to sell his soul, and I was like, first of all, that's your brain scan. It's not your soul. Second of all, mm. better be careful because you might just get what you what you asked for. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't mess with stuff like that personally. No. It's ba- you, you bad. Just, you're putting bad energy you into the universe when you do that. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of uh, demonic possession circulating the uh, Ethereum blockchain at this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the, the internet is made of demons, especially Twitter. Yeah. Are you a God fearing man yourself? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as this guy. I mean, you know. <laughs> are there are there quantities with respect yeah, to there's that? There's always spectrums. Yeah, are there? Yeah. And what about writers? I know there's like, um, do you know Crypt? I do. Yeah, yeah. I, he, I did like an interview for him. He was doing some series that was like, it's, it was like Urbit exclusive yeah. interview series or something like that. I didn't yeah. quite crack what the larger project was, but that's an example of, of some kind of Urbit exclusive content creation yeah. stuff going on. So I was just curious. So Crypt, yeah, yeah I, I actually, I know of Crypt. I haven't met him. So Crypt, if you're watching this, I would like to meet you. Shout out to Crypt. Uh, he's a, he's a long time. Uh, is, is that the, I, I the his, his Twitter handle? He's a supporter of the show. I, I like Crypt. I'm grateful for his support over the years. Is, is his Twitter handle something like N Grim? Um, that guy. Yeah, that guy. I know him as yeah. Webb, not Bud. Okay. Uh, but he uh, he has a group on Urban. It's one of the. I think it was the first paid group. Where in order to be a member of this, you need to be paying a monthly fee. Uh, okay. And. Uh, so this is this is one of the models to your sort of original question before yeah. I went off on my tangent about sigil art. Um, <laughs> this is one of the models that's formed is there's a private group and there's original content that's published in there and there's some interesting person at the center of it, um, in this case, Crypt, who maintains the things and makes sure that the group is actually engaging and that there's stuff going on. Um, there's actually quite a few 
uh, there's a few groups like this that have this sort of characteristic. So does he have the power to like kick people out of the group? Okay, so yeah, okay. he has the power to make other people admins that can also do the same thing. And is the paywalling uh, is that taking place within Orbit or is that a kind of side thing? That, that's outside for yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Because we don't have any native payment rails right. in Orbit yet. But you're working on it. We're working on that. That that's the Bitcoin integration. That's Bitcoin yeah. integration. Okay. Yeah. And so this is something that uh, Pindet Timmet, also known as Christian. Uh, also known as a Bitcoin sign guy, um, mm. has been working on for a long time. It's why he came on there was, you know, he's got this whole uh, this whole shtick, which is sound money deserves a sound computer, uh, where sound money is obviously Bitcoin and sound computer is obviously Urbit. And so for a very long time, he's been working to marry the two. Um, and when I came on, one of my first projects was to was to make this whole thing come to life, was to figure out how to take some preliminary work that had been done uh, by Norsa Torin um, to get the Bitcoin RPC API done, but then actually take that and turn it into an integration between a Bitcoin full node and an Urbit. So the two can communicate in such a way that actually respects what Bitcoiners care about, which is maximal security, ideally maximal privacy, which you can only really get if you run your own full node um, with, with, with the Urbit architecture so that the two actually um, speak the same language and work together. Um, and we've built that. We have basically the foundation of it laid to where Bitcoin, uh, you can you can hook up a Bitcoin node to your ship. Everyone could do this if everyone ran a Bitcoin full node. Everyone's not going to do that though, because running a full node is kind of a pain in the ass um, and it costs a good amount of network bandwidth um, and know-how. Um, but what we built was a way for you to run a full node and then provide access to that full node to other people. And when you do, it gives them the capability to still have maximum security. There's no private keys ever touching the system being shared anywhere. And in privacy though, you don't quite have it maximally because you're trusting the person that's running the full node for you with public addresses, but never your root public address, which is what is called a ZPub now, formerly an XPub, which is what's used per BIP32 to generate and up to 2 to 32, 4.3-ish billion addresses. So, um, so this is just like any other light wallet? Like any other light wallet. Yeah, so you can be a light wallet host or a light wallet user mm -hmm. on, on the Urbit ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The The key advantage here is that when you're using Bitcoin, for one, your Urbit ID is actually your Bitcoin address. Um, it can be. You can actually use a hardware wallet or any other Bitcoin address if you want uh, when you import it. Um, but your Urbit ID also provides a Bitcoin address. It's mm. the Urbit wallet or the Urbit ID is an HD wallet. So it can derive any number of different, uh, different cryptographic addresses. It's several different Ethereum keys that it generates out of the box. And we extended it to also provide a Bitcoin one. So, so I can pay people with Bitcoin on the Urbit network without knowing about, without dealing with those you never deal big with long, addresses. yeah, without dealing with addresses. Yeah. You're just paying people. And it's going to generate a new address each time. So you're yep. trying to get so maximum Bitcoin privacy. privacy to the extent that Bitcoin can. Yes, that's right. Yep. Slick. Um, it's pretty sick. Yeah. Who did, cool. who did that? So there's a guy named, he goes by Tim Luck Miptev. Um, he's, he left Twitter um, because he's fed up. Uh, you can find him on Urbit as Tim Luck Miptev. Okay. Um, he built the, he, he's the one that actually implemented this whole design. Um, and he did a fantastic job. Sick. It's very sick. Yeah, uh, it's very good. Um, and he's become something of a Bitcoin expert in the process um, and a Hoon expert in the process. And he actually I actually hired him and now he works at the foundation uh, with me 
um, to guide additional people to build more projects on Urban. Um, he's a very good person to work with because he's actually built some really non-trivial stuff like this um, and mm. can, can really provide a lot of good feedback and mentoring um, on how to build applications here. And I think there are a few writers, right, who have kind of defected from some of the public platforms who maybe they're kicked off or maybe they're pushed off or like the person you just mentioned, they just kind of fed up with it and they want this more pure form of, of networking. I'm curious, like for people who do write, like that guy Spandrel, right? Where were we talking about him before? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, this is like blogger guy who I guess is all in on Urbit now. So if, if you're a writer and let's say you're defecting from the big platforms and you're like, oh, Urbit is the future. I want to invest in Urbit as a platform, as a place, as, as, as an internet home for myself to build networks and communities there and, and create content there. Um, what is it? What, what, what would that look like in practice? Like, how would you do that? Because my experience so far, just messing around with Urbit is like, there's there are groups basically. Mm -hmm. And there's like one kind of central group that most people are in. And then there's like private groups. So what, what would the, what would the model look like? Like you make your own group and kind of like bring on your own audience. Like, is that, the, is that a kind of move you'd like to see? Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, so, yeah. so let's say you're a big Substack author and like maybe you get kicked off Substack cause you're a little too, a little too spicy. You could maybe set up a, you could basically set up an Urbit group mm -hmm. and then tell all of your followers, mm. come follow me on Urbit and you'll get all of my missives this way. Mm -hmm. That's that. Yeah. Okay. Now, you can do that. Now the, now the groups, they're, they're a chat platform right now, right? It's a few things. Um, chat is one there. So there's groups within groups, there's channels. Channels are either chat, they're notebooks or they're collections of links. Mm. Um, all, all three of those are pretty basic. Chats don't have threading. They're just single level chats. Uh, notebooks, it's like you write a thing and you post it. There's no draft, you just post it. Mm -hmm. Link collections just are collections of links. Um, there's no upvoting or anything. Yeah. Right, very basic. Yeah. Um, and this is all... So, so, so it sounds like a private group with the notebook would replicate kind of substack it basically be because you can have followers people can choose to follow it all right or yeah, people join the group and then they right you and know, you, you could only let people in if they if you see that they've paid and yeah they've given you their urban address and right now you'd have to do that manually because yeah. you don't have native payment rails yeah you have to have you'd have to do it through some third-party payment thing right now yeah, that's right but in the future, there'll be right now is important. there'll be an urbit uh, native cryptocurrency or Bitcoin and you'll have some way to pay on Urbit. Yeah. And this you know. and this example of a follower relationship on Urbit is technically censorship proof or is that too strong? I mean, it's censorship proof unless the person you're following doesn't like you. Right, but other than that, other than that, there's yeah, no third right. party that could ever intervene in this. Unless it's your ISP and they just outright ban Urbit UDP traffic. I see, you know. So, uh, so this is the archipelago of the internet, right? Like this is um, we're, we're splitting the, we're, we're forming these private networks that are truly private and, and, and individual. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I am, I am starting to see in my own mind a little bit, I'm starting to see the long-term bull case for Urbit a little bit more in recent months, the more I've thought about it, because it does seem to me that the big social platforms are on this kind of uncontrollable death spiral. Like it does, it does seem like the big social platforms will become more and more politically captured. And they will yeah, become more. They will become less and less desirable. And there will have to be, at a certain point, a, a mass defection. Uh, especially, I mean, I'm always personally thinking about the intellectuals. I'm thinking so, so, about people who are really seeking the truth, or whether that be in art or science or philosophy. Those people who are tr really trying to figure things out as radically as possible, 
are going to have to at a certain point defect from the from the the big social platforms i suspect well and, it, and you know the, these big social platforms like there's I, th I think the people that have founded them and that run them like i a lot of them are pretty um open-minded people like i like i don't think mark zuckerberg wants to censor the totally internet. agree it's a systemic thing. but it's yeah, absolutely yeah but there's so much pressure brought on these guys like from within the organization from without totally the organization it's, it's, totally part of the culture. it's totally structural and it's in something and, but the more that pressure that's brought on them, the more people that are squeezed out of the existing networks, I think they're the bigger the audience for something that you truly own. Something I saw on Twitter the other day, which I think you'll appreciate, Justin, is, um, okay, so, uh, you know, Reddit um, is supposedly, you know, masquerades as this um, collection of communities where people can host their own community and um, and have their own thing going on. But they really, really care about current year sexual politics. Uh, like more than like that is something like if, if you don't agree with current year sexual politics, you're not allowed to be on Reddit. Um, so uh, the gender critical feminists have been kicked off. They were kicked off like three or four months ago. Um, but uh, Catholicism, the Catholicism subreddit has received warning messages where they've been talked to by the admins because they're like, you guys have been like not LGBT, LGBT friendly enough. Um, and some of the things you've said, like they sound kind of, you know, not woke. And, you know, it's our Catholicism. They've been around for 2000 years. They've been saying the same thing. For <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of them, you know, there's like, there's like a fucking billion Catholics in yeah. the world. And yeah. like, it, you know, if Reddit takes the step and saying, uh, like already the mods of r slash Catholicism, they're like, okay, guys, you have to really watch out. If you talk about like church sexual teachings, you have to make sure it's very mild, you know, don't say it in any sort of offensive way. Like you can tell like they're, they're not, this is not their community. Like they're, they're, hosting their community in a hostile space. Like wouldn't they prefer to host their community in a space that they owned? And uh, not only might they prefer, but soon they might have to, they might have to. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I want, I want Reddit to kick the Catholics off because that's such a huge group of people. Like if you censor 10 people, like you can crush them. You censor a billion. You, you haven't censored them. They're just like, <laughs> you yeah, know, right, you schism, right? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, I wonder if that's actually, now that I think about it, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why there's a, a particularly notable Christian contingent in urban. Well, and, it, and it's also, Maybe. yeah, it, it's unprincipled, right? Because like the, the radical feminists agree with the modern politics, like 98%. And, and, uh, but the Catholics are, the Catholics agree, agree with modern sexual politics, like 20%. Um, and, uh, but it's just the fact that it looks worse to, um, persecute the Catholics than the radical feminists. I think that's an excellent example though. That's a really, really powerful example because it's massive and you're right it, at the point that Catholicism is basically banned from Reddit, according to the basic rules, there are, they're going to need to go somewhere and it's not a matter of preference it's go at a certain point. I don't, I don't know if we're there yet, but at a certain point, it won't be a matter of preference. It'll be, it'll be a matter of. Uh, incentives being just absolutely inevitable. So it's like the way I see it is the same dynamic that is driving mainstream kind of prestige institutional journalists to quit the New York Times and go on Substack. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. same dynamic is going to continue and eventually it's going to make them quit Substack and go yeah. where? Yeah. Urban. Yeah. Well, or, or some, the reason I mean, Substack is yeah. viable is because it doesn't matter enough yet. Well, it yeah, will. yeah, yeah. Like the, the guys that run Substack, they're very, again, they're very principled. And, and totally. they're like, we don't want to censor our platform. But when enough pressure is brought to bear, it's out of their control. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just possible capitalism. To it's just at, capitalism. at the end of the it day, the only way that you get to have what they want people to have is if you control the network.
is it's if if you control the the um yeah if you're on your own private network that's the only way and that's what yeah. Urbit lets you run out of the box. That's right. Yeah. So I definitely I definitely am starting to to appreciate the bull case for Urbit as basically it's where this dynamic ends. Mm -hmm. It's like the it's like the last stop for this dynamic. And so if you believe that this political dynamic is essentially out of our hands, it's a kind of uh it's a it's a, it's a structural dynamic that can't be turned back, then you should be bullish on Urbit because if that if that plays out, everything it's like you can imagine basically this whole public social web on, on these different big social platforms as this like big ocean where it's like what's allowed is getting constrained and it's like being put into mm -hmm. a dam. It's like a, the entire Atlantic Ocean is like being pressed up against the dam. Mm -hmm. And it's like when that dam breaks, it all pours into Urbit. Yeah. Would be one bull case for Urbit, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Urbit began work in 2002. Like, and throughout the course of that work, you know, even when it really there became a company that was actually working on this in 2013, throughout the course of Urbit's existence, it's been telling people that it matters that you own your infrastructure and your software. People say, what? No, it doesn't. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. Right. Like, no, mm -hmm. this, this thing's slow. It doesn't work well. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. But it will. And when it does, it's really going to matter that you own it because, well, because 2020 is going to happen. And it did. And we're seeing what happens now. Um, and it's going to keep happening, which is why we're going to keep working on it. We're not, you know, Urban is not at the place where it can replace Reddit, it can replace Facebook, it can replace Twitter, everything right now. But it is going to be there. Uh, we do need help to get it there. Um, it's it's the right infrastructure. It's the right set of principles to build this kind of thing. Um, and it'll be there whenever we're ready. It, it basically, it's voice versus exit as a strategy. Like if you think about the intellectual dark web, um, why is it called the intellectual dark web? Well, it's not dark web, right? It's people like the Weinsteins and like, uh, and James Lindsay or someone on Twitter trying to appeal to the, to people in their own language and saying like, I know the culture is against us and all of you want to like fucking kick us off the internet and hurt us in every way you can, but you shouldn't do that. And they're trying to convince people mm -hmm. to like, you know, with, 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 uh, to restrain their their dark impulses, um, but uh, you know the actual uh, decentralized infrastructure is is exit. It's like saying, fine, like you have your big thing that you've built and you want to run it according to the most popular principles that are exist in our culture. That's fine. You get to have your space with your with your culture. We're gonna go have our space with our culture. Uh, it's just a basic distinction of voice. I don't think voice can win, and I I, I appreciate the people who are making the case in the culture for, for free, for free spread of information and open minds and all that. I really appreciate them. I think they're slowing down the inevitable and, and that, but, but it's, it is inevitable, I think. So, um, like it just looks like a lost cause. Uh, and yeah, it really does. So you're exploring Austin as a possible place to settle. What are your impressions so far? Well, so far, pretty cool. Got to be on my first podcast. <laughs> um, the podcast capital of the world right here, Austin. Yeah, that's what I hear. Um, we got Joe Rogan. We got uh, we got Alex got Jones. <laughs> we got Tim Ferriss. Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, Tim Ferriss. First of all, that's like a hundred million people audience. Yeah, all. yeah that's, I mean, that's, some overlap, that's, right? That's and then Justin Murphy, where you have like the top quality audience of like any podcast in the universe. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's very kind. I think we definitely... that. 
I would say the average IQ of my podcast listeners is uh, significantly higher than all of those, probably. I bet you the the additive IQ of your podcast listeners is higher than <laughs> than all of those. All right, let's not be snotty now. Let's let's. Uh, yeah. Well, we, I mean, we got some four figure. It's all. I would say it's 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 a bit of a uh, bimodal distribution. Uh, let's be, let's be <laughs> honest. Um, with all due respect to my uh, my comrades on YouTube, you know some of you are not exactly known for your. If you're extremely thoughtful posts, but uh, we'll focus on those of you who give us very thoughtful posts. So keep those coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so other impressions of it. Yeah. What, what, have, where have you been so far? What have you done? I haven't done much. You know, I've mostly been working throughout the week. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm staying fairly central down by uh, first and South Congress. Um, one first impression is that everything is very brown because everything died very recently, I think. Yeah, the Great Freeze. Yeah, there's a lot of, Snow, lot of sad cacti. Snowvid. Yeah, that doesn't turn you off from moving here? Like, oh, maybe the grid is fucked. Maybe I should stay away from here. Someone told me, I don't know, I have no idea if this is true or if I'm spreading gossip, but someone told me the other night that Elon's, like, moving out. I don't know if that's Nah, true. he's here. That's bullshit. Yeah. 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 yeah, you don't buy that much land and then just move out. That, that yeah. factory's being built, man. It's not like the Nikola yeah. plant. Um. Yeah, I was hanging out with, I don't want to talk, throw shade on anyone, but, um, well, I was hanging out with, oh, uh, yeah, I won't use names, but, um, actually, no. Good, I good, even good go job. There at all. Good no, job. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I, won't, never I won't go there. Never mind. I, yeah. Yeah. But how about, uh, Jacob, we were in a, this clubhouse chat the other night. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Which and, one? Uh, the chat for God that. Oh, the, the one that I chased in the vault a lot of? Uh, no. Oh, that was funny. You want to tell yeah. that story, actually? Uh, I, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I think I just. All right, I want to hear it. I think I just like questioned Naval about some spiritual issue or, or, or made a counterpoint. And um, I think he was much having much more fun hearing himself talk and having people fawn on him. And uh, maybe he had been there for a while too. And so he decided to leave. Um, no, he, yeah, he's cool. He, he's funny. It was just, it was, it was, I think more coincidental, but it was kind of funny. Like he was, uh, we, we were doing this chat and it was me, my friend Marin, who I do this other podcast with called mm -hmm. chat for God. And it just, ha it just so happened. It wasn't arranged or anything. It was just me and Marin doing it on clubhouse and Naval jumped on and it was just the three of us for a little while. And he was talking a lot. He's a smart dude. I love listening to that guy talk totally more than welcome to. Uh, mm -hmm. And then like Jacob, come, I invite Jacob on stage and, and a couple other people on stage. And uh, it was, I think it was more coincidental than anything, but Jacob basically gets on stage, makes like a strong, cause Naval was mostly arguing against religion and, uh, kind oh, yeah, of, he, kind was, of, he was yeah. against organized religion, yeah. right? Yeah, and Jacob, yeah. Get, Jacob comes on stage and made a, made like a pretty fire point. It was, it, and it was very well articulated. And, uh, and then, it, <laughs> and then Naval just left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, wow. uh, yeah, I yeah, think the, I, I think the, the thing is, no, I'm sure it was a coincidence. That, that, I, I was yeah. speaking uh, to, to the Christian worldview and the Christian tradition. And, um, and I think just some people have like a very poor, uh, a very poor opinion of Christianity and its worldview and, because they've been exposed to a lot of like dumb and, uh, and closed-minded Christianity. And there is a lot of dumb and closed-minded Christianity that's very shallow. But the, I mean, the world, the tradition goes back to, you know, it goes back 2000 years to some very smart people. Lindy as fuck. Yeah. Well, and, and like the kind of people, like you, you read some of these like old theologians, um, like uh, I'm, I'm reading right now, uh, Saint Irenaeus uh, on the ap apostolic teaching. Um, but but after him, like like Saint Basil, Saint Gregory, like these guys would have been. They were trained in the finest Greek schools of their day. Uh, they you know they converted to Christianity, um, or, or they might have grown up in Christian homes. I forget. But they were trained in the finest remaining Greek schools. Like these guys are brilliant. Um, and, and had they lived a few hundred years earlier, we would remember them as like the peers of Socrates and Plato. Right. Uh, but they were within the church. 
uh, so only church people know about them. But it's like Christianity is not a dumb, simple religion. Like all the major objections to it were made uh, that people make today uh, were made 1800 years ago and they and they were answered. And there's um, some very nuanced um responses to them and, and and but you but you make them and people hear like some fundamentalists like screeching at them and i think that's what happened with nabal he's like you just said the word christian i'm out um and, that, <laughs> and it's sad for him like he doesn't have the capacity i think to, to listen to anyone anymore but he's probably 50 or something and has his mind made up oh shit dude you're dropping some bombs here yeah i mean i like this it's good dude. for I mean, the I podcast talk, a little I, controversy never heard anything i mean <laughs> i i would talk with a dude in like you know, discuss something, but, but yeah, I think organized religion, it, it keeps, it, it preserves a tradition and it passes it on. And, and the ancient Christian tradition is a very good one. It's a very deep one. It's a very, um, and it is a mystical path. Um, and if you didn't have organized religion, what you have is every Jim Bob, like coming up with his own thing of very varied quality. Um, and, and you never get to stand on the shoulders of giants. You don't get to see very far. You're, you're, you're stuck dealing with your own mess um, and you can't see any farther. And, and I think that's what th that was the debate we were having where he was like, well, individuality and separation from any organized tradition works for me and I'm good. I'm out. And, you know, I just think uh, there's this value in being connected to your peers and to the past. Totally. Hell yeah. But, you know, what I was trying to push the conversation to was uh, the other clubhouse that we did recently where oh. <laughs> there, uh, the, the funny little story is just that um, I had to run. I, I did it for like an hour, but J Jacob kind of took over with a bunch of other people. And there was a there was a woman listening and a young, an attractive young woman mm. listening like the whole time. And it was like nerdy dudes, smart, cool, like <sighs> nerdy, but nonetheless, you know, nerdy, nerdy dudes talking about like deep. Uh, Christian arcane uh, stuff. It was it was lame. It was a lame. Job. No, no, it's actually really it's good really quality. Lame. I was just I was laughing my ass off because the whole time Jacob's like talking about super arcane, great Christian content basically. But the whole time there's like this super hot chick listening. <laughs> they, there was a super hot chick listening for she like an hour, for the whole time. She was like in the in the listeners booth. She, she, and I I, I, go, Jacob. I I I had left the, I had left the room, but I noticed I was like, oh, that's weird. You don't see like a super hot chick listening to like bunch of like super arcane Christian dudes talk about like Christian dogma. And then I checked back like an hour later and she was still there. And then I, afterwards I was, cause you know, Jacob's single, Jacob's uh, you know, uh, yeah, if you're out there, super Jacob's playing Jacob, the field and tomorrow the, is Sunday. So the first thing and I said, Jacob the, will be there. The first thing I said to Jacob afterward, I was like, dude, did you see that girl who was listening to you talk about Christianity for like a fucking hour? And he's like, yeah, I think I vaguely noticed. I was like, dude, <laughs> why are you not in her DMS right now? Like yeah. if she had the wherewithal to listen to you for an hour, talk about, like nerdy ass Christian shit. She must be a most likely a believer, but two, she must actually think you're pretty smart and interesting. Uh, so I would, I would have, I would have been in those DMS immediately. And Jacob was like, no, I don't know. You, know, you see, you, you got the web game. Like I'm, I'm, I'm Dude, like I'm married. I have no game. I haven't like flirted with a girl. I don't, in I, don't, years. I don't know about the DM game. That's the, that's the thing I got to learn. So, nowadays, it's so cheap and simple. And yeah. I only know this because I pay attention to internet culture. Like, well, I well, listen you, to a lot of podcasts and shit like that. You, your boy's dating someone from that he met online, right? He slid into her DMs? or um, Yeah, person? a little update for the listeners, for the OGs who listen to all the shows. Um, ben, who you know, my, my intern Ben, who's been helping me build the channel the past few months. He's been a very uh, excellent presence on a lot of the live streams and podcasts we've been doing. He's out of town. You notice he's not here with us today. Uh, that's because he's with his girl who he met from the internet. 
in large part through this podcast. I won't take full credit for it, but basically he had a, a nice cutie in El Paso slide into his DMs on Instagram and he fucking flew to El Paso and he's there for a week with some cutie. You see, I help him get chicks and then he abandons me and I don't have an assistant. Yeah. Bullshit. Ben, I'm happy for you, but uh we're running without a Ben tonight. Yeah, it's it would very be hard. Much better to have you here. We miss you, Ben. No, I'm ha- I'm I'm just bullshitting. Yeah, I'm happy. Exactly I'm happy. I'm happy for you, Ben. I'm hope I hope you're having fun and enjoy the week off. But um I, I miss you, Ben. But, but uh, anyway, I hope so you're having a good time. You take ben, Jacob, you take Ben to church. In return, he's got to show you the DM game. Yeah, he's so got to teach me yeah, the DM yeah. game. I don't know the DM but game. But dude, it's super simple, extent. honestly. Like nowadays, I think her name was like Svetlana or something too. I think she was a Russian. We we're probably the oh, same wow. communion. <laughs> Maybe, but dude, the DM game nowadays, like the problem with modern sexual culture is that it's well, problem from one perspective, but maybe a good thing from another perspective is it's so cheap and simple. Now it's so mm. transactional, which is horrifying and mm. not good, mm-hmm. but on the bright side, it's a straightforward. You, you literally just DM and you're like, Hey, what's up? And it's just like, that's what they do on oh, Twitter. Nowadays, wow. if you find someone on Twitter who you vibe with and you, and like, you know, if you're interested in each other, it's going to be a quick yes or no. Like mm. you're going to figure it out real quick. So that's literally, the- is that, what, is that the line? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? It's that <laughs> I don't even think it matters. I think, you, or you just say like, yo, or you just say like anything. Mm. And it's like, basically all you, this is what slide This is why slide is a term or like mm. slide in the DMS. Uh, it's literally, you just like make yourself visible in the DMS. You just say, and, hi, I'm here. I'm yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, if they want it, then it'll make itself apparent pretty quickly. If they don't, then you just so dip no out of the DMS. You, yeah. And that's what people do nowadays. Mm. My problem is that my Twitter profile is a flower, and so they don't get a, a good. Uh, yeah, that's good not feel good for game. Me. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta put my <laughs> face like, out there. I'm, I'm up, slowly, uh, slowly, slowly edging into that world of, of being a face guy. Yeah. Anyway, that was have a good, funny little thing. story. Dude, that, that, was, like, that was a horrible chat room. You know the problem with that chat room it was, was good. I thought it was no, good no, no. It's the problem is that. It, it was just like Catholics and Protestants arguing with each other, and and I'm just not into. Yeah, I've, I've, heard, I've heard all all the arguments. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like it's just not interesting to me. And um, yeah, it's broke. Like there there's there's some other way of talking about religion that that I care about. Like I want I want to get at what people care about and what's their reality of uh, of living as a person of God and interacting with God and other people of God and like what is, what is that like for you? And um, I'm not interested in the protestant catholic schism i mean it's one thing like nobody remembers like we exist right it's like i'm neither protestant nor catholic um and then uh and, and then for another thing like i mean hashing out our differences like even with catholics i've like when i was a new convert i, I had a lot of arguments with catholics about how we were different and now i've had them all <laughs> like i mean it's just like not interesting so me. jacob on, on on a previous podcast you did with me you said something like that orthodoxy is bitcoin mm. catholicism is ethereum that's that's right so in this in this model what is urbit oh that's a good question <laughs> that's a good question well urbit so urbit is a like a federation uh, which which doesn't have a central figure right the, the central figure was perhaps the founder who has gone from the project so i think in that way it's more like bitcoin and, and it's a little bit more orthodox um but like but there can't be two orthodox churches that's true that's true uh well let's think about this i mean is urbit uh can, can the galaxies ever become like not in communi- communication with each other well i mean they don't have to communicate uh, they're they're 
you know, horizontally aligned. Well, they do have to vote together, though. Well, there. So the 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 address space in Urbit mm -hmm. is more of a network infrastructure, right? Like yeah, they, they don't right. really interact. They don't see the content. They don't know about the content. Like the the content layer that might be politicized is um, is separate from the infrastructure layer. Correct. Um, and you can freely move around throughout the infrastructure. But the infrastructure could become politicized. It could. So there's but the infrastructure does has very little actual influence, mm. Mm. Right? aside from its ability to, you know, make upgrades uh, to the rest of the infrastructure. So, so could so could an ideological group like seize some galaxies and try to launch a hostile upgrade that would ban certain schools of thought from uh, the rest of orbit? I suppose they could. Um, they would need to seize a lot of address space. Well, that's the problem: is that the galaxies are kind of already seated. And they like, can only really vote, you know. They mm -hmm. don't. Like, how would I launch a, a tell all the ships under me to upgrade to a new version of Urbit? Well, you would to to upgrade software to ships beneath you. You really just have to upgrade your own software, mm -hmm. and then they get it through an over-the-air update if they actually choose to accept it. Real quick interjection: just had a light bulb moment. Yeah. If I was directing Urbit grants, you know what I would give a grant to? I would just pay hot chicks to come on, like hot Christian <laughs> chicks. I would straight up pay hot Christian chicks to get on Urbit. Yeah, and they'll auto join Jacob's group, dude. <laughs> this could be this could be this could be the event. You know, of that, the decade that, for a Urbit. Event. That's yeah. a great. I mean, I mean, you, you already heard. Does the, does the Orthodox Church have any networking infrastructure? I don't believe really? we do. I mean, we yeah, could use. Well, well, we need infrastructure that looks like the church, right? And Urbit yeah. looks like the church. I'm gonna get some water. I'll be right back. Um, you guys need anything? I, I needed to take a short break, so I'll wait till you come back, Justin, <laughs> and then then do it. But um. No, I think it makes sense. Like if each autocephalous church had a galaxy, um, it would sort of match the underlying structure of the church. Um, so I think that would make a lot of sense. Okay. And we've already discussed how, you know, Reddit wants to censor the Catholics or the Catholicism subreddit, which is large, it, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and they, the admins have been, or the moderators of that subreddit have been put on notice that they need to be very careful talking about Catholic sexual teachings. Um, so I think that the Catholic church, uh, should officially state that Urbit is their, um, is their like official social network. Um, and, and I think the Pope should declare that any Catholic that is not using Urbit that stays on Reddit is anathema because they're supporting, um, false teaching and, and undermining the church's teaching on, uh, sexual morality. Dude, if you could get the Pope to adopt Urbit game over I, I think it should be a papal bull it should be ex cathedra that the, the pope should declare that every every good catholic who 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 wants to stay in good standing with the church should move over to Dude, you laugh but you know what honestly you know like i i could seriously i could seriously <laughs> imagine someone making a case i mean you know how enterprise sales works right mm -hmm. it's like very high touch yeah we need like enterprise sales for a very different kind of organization i really think it's not it's actually not yeah. crazy right i mean it's if, not. if catholicism is literally going to be banned more or less from reddit mm -hmm. you could absolutely get a legit enterprise sales type of operation where you go around and you actually try to network up and make those relationships with fucking the vatican and you're like you're getting banned off reddit we'll ju just just sign up here like just give a little bit of an endorsement to in whatever way you can handle and whatever way works yeah. for you. Like you can do I, this. There can be just a whole Catholic galaxy. It's not crazy. It's I, not. I, I think I really think you could imagine that being it. That's just a high touch, high investment kind of uh, game plan, but I don't think it's crazy. No, it's, def it's definitely not.
Um, I mean, there's a Urbit's network infrastructure could work for all kinds of organizations. You know, we're, we're really not too focused on anything particularly enterprisey. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's there's no reason not to. Right. Obviously, it's not. I don't mean enterprise in a technical sense. I just mean that that model of, but, but of, of sales, going after that model of sales. Yeah, right. exactly. Normally, going, when we think about organizations, we think oh, companies. Right. Um, but not you know the Catholic Church. That's, right. That's yeah. By by enterprise sales, I just mean it would obviously be a massive investment. It's like it you'd have to like fly someone to the Vatican, and you'd have to have you'd have to like put people on this as a full time. You would. It was kind it of would. project. But, it'd be a big, it'd be a big, right, big but, lift, but worth but it. But imagine getting, that's a client if there ever was one, right? There sure is. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be around for a while. Yeah. So, so far the judgment for you, Austin, you see it as a place you could live. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. It's a place I could live. Yeah. It reminds me of where I grew up, um, but bigger. I grew up in Chico, Northern California. Oh, okay. Um, it's also a college town, just a smaller college, you know, small And city. Urban's totally remote, so you can be anywhere, right? I can be anywhere. Are, uh, do they ever do IRL like staff things or? Well, they used to. Yeah. I mean, they, they used to not be full remote, mm. uh, but they had people that worked in Australia and, you know, out in, in Europe and Canada and all over the place. But there was a base of operations. It was in San Francisco. And they had, I, I know, one meetup before I was here uh, where they all flew out to the same place and got everyone in from all over the world. Um, but uh, there just has not been the opportunity to coordinate anything like that because we're not quite at the point where uh, right. the world is open enough to get everyone in one place. So if you don't settle in Austin... What what would you guess would be the the place you would settle? What's the what's the runner up so far? Brazil is a big runner up. Yeah, yeah. Those pictures look nice. Yeah, Brazil's nice. It's probably it's super pretty, interesting to live in a place like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was interesting just because the the country is everything is new. You know, uh, the culture is new, the language is new, the people they interact totally differently. Um, you know, just everything you see is different. The architecture, the plants, the animals. Um, the so it's like one big adventure. Now that could of course wear off, uh, but the 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 style of life there is it's very community oriented, tightly knit. You know, people still live with their families, and the families are big, um, and family really matters still. Um, you know, people don't really feel like they're scattered to the winds so much as they are in America, where it's become very normal for people to just move all over the country and be all over the place, and for families to be kind of broken up. Maybe that's just my family. I don't know. I don't know if you no, so that's pretty much my family's yeah. in North Carolina and I'm here. So yeah. 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 My folks are in New Jersey. Yeah. So it's uh, the, the, the feeling of community is a, a thing that I, you know, my family's very small. Um, my fiance's family is very large and they're all together. And to have a family gathering of that size is something that's pretty foreign to me. Um, and it feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. I have a big family. Also, my wife has a small family. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize how much I took it for granted growing up. Like, not everyone has a big family. Mm -hmm. To me, it was very natural just having a big family. So, like, whenever there's a birthday party, Christmas party, whatever, just, like, a very large number of people always getting together. Only when I really uh, met my, my wife's family and did holidays with them, I'm like, wow, some people just have small families. And mm -hmm. it's a totally different thing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one reason why I'm, like, more eager to have kids now. We've been, like, putting it off, but we want to have kids, like, soon we're trying basically. And, uh, yeah, in part, because I realized like, I, I love I when love people it. say we're trying to have kids because <laughs> yeah. we all know what you it know means. What means. <laughs> but it means like, what do you mean? Oh, like I mean, yeah. do we need to talk about the birds and the bees? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, it's, a, it's like a polite thing that you can like say yeah, at church. Trying like we're kids. trying to have a baby, but yeah. <laughs> it yeah. means like we have a, 
very <laughs> what my wife and I. <laughs> You know, sex, but it's the difference between using protection or contraception and not, yeah. right? Well, you know, as a Catholic, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not a very good Catholic, but <laughs> I mean, my, my wife and I for many years would try to not have a baby, even though we were having sex. Mm. Is that bad? Or well, uh, well, you know, I'm sad for you guys that you, you, you succeeded on, on that. I know, yeah. I know. What you're saying is, what you're saying is, we should have been trying to have a kid I mean, from the day we got married. Should, should is a loaded word. Uh, no, um, the no. Pope says that. I'm not your Pope, <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, congratulations, and I hope I wish for the best for you. Wait, but it's not illegal to, it's not sinful to pull out, is it? Uh, no, I believe that's. Not. Is it? <laughs> I believe is that's it? not. There's been a lot of changes. I believe in the Catholic ne- Church lately. I don't know. Yeah. Can someone think chat tell us? Is it? Is it? Is it? According to the Catholic Church, is it a sin to pull out when you? You get what I'm saying. I don't. I don't think it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll watch. Like we never. Oh wait, wait, there's a response. No, there's a bit of a lag. It'll come in a minute. Or okay. Two. All right. Yeah, um, I don't think it's bad to pull out. Like if you're married and you don't want to have a kid yet, it's perfectly fine to have sex and pull out. And I know that Catholics Catholics practice what they call natural family planning. I don't know exactly what that is. It might be just the rhythm method. You might have to come inside her, like as a good Catholic. So, like pulling out is kind of like a mini abortion. Uh, it might be. Damn, I didn't. I honestly didn't. Well, know it's that. not a mini. It's not, it's not a mini abortion. Like, in, in Catholicism, definitely non-abortive, non-abortive active birth control is a lesser sin than than uh, abortion. Uh, but um, it, uh, I, I still think they're against it. All right, I'll look into this. I'm not sure. I honestly didn't think it was bad. I thought it was fair play. But, uh, it's fine so if, you, if you don't if you, you know, don't yeah, right. i mean but you're allowed to use natural family planning which you must come inside her but at the wrong time of the month at the wrong time <laughs> of the month <laughs> yes i mean that seems like a cope dude that seems just as bad as pulling out i mean take it up with your bishops man like we don't yeah. have the rules that you guys have yo pontifex hit me up bro we gotta talk this we gotta talk this out at pontifex <laughs> we gotta we gotta sort this out bro my my homie uh uh uh, uh francis and anyway, where were we going with that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, just, kids. Just, oh yeah, no. I'm, just I'm, saying, yeah. having a big family is cool. I've never, I've school. never done a buzzed pod, podcast before, so I'm, I'm slightly horrified. <laughs> no. Well, we'll see tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's we'll all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, I think yeah. we just did about an hour. You think? It's, I feel it's like a natural place to wrap it up. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like I want like ten minutes of like. A slightly more informal conversation, maybe about you, Justin. I like, can do ten more minutes. Like, can you like, do ten more minutes? Can you, can you take some questions? All right, Justin? everyone out there, first of all, subscribe to the channel and click the little bell so you get notifications every time I go live. We're doing this all the time nowadays, so don't miss out. We're and, gonna stick around for another ten more minutes. What do you got, Jacob? Well, I think first of all, people should uh, subscribe to your Patreon or or whatever that you're you're currently doing uh, to support. Thank you, thank uh, you. Justin's future child. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm not pulling out anymore. He, he has mouths to feed. Um, and he just discovered that pulling out is a sin. So, <laughs> he's gonna have a lot of you know, to so uh, you know, he's he's gonna hopefully have a lot of mouths to feed. So, so subscribe and give him, you. give him your that. give him your money. Uh, but more importantly, for the special guest here tonight, uh, check the links in the show notes. You can you can get on Urbit even if you don't know how to use your terminal. It's they make it very simple. Yeah, website. Twan now has hosted. Urbit, so you can basically just sign up you for it and get on there. Do it for you. It's super yeah, simple. They'll fine. basically do the work for you. So go check it out. There's a link in the show notes. And also, if you're interested in Urbit or working in Urbit or you have something to contribute potentially, uh, 
Josh here is handing out grants. So if you have a viable, legit project with a real value proposition, hit them up. There's a link in the show notes also. Um, they're really looking to expand it. So check that out. All right. With that as um, a few plugs, what do you got, Jacob? What do you think about the nature of money, Justin? Is it is it bad? Hmm. The root of all evil? Well, it's not what the... I think the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Hmm. Um, and that, that might be true. Oh, someone just that sent you. To... Someone just sent you a super chat, Justin. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, it's, it's an empty one. It's just a. It's just a five dollar donation. How kind! Oh, Thank you. That lovely. Will, that will buy us each one chicken tender later tonight. Thank you. Well, hopefully, <laughs> it'll, it'll buy it'll buy your baby a chicken yeah, tender hard. to chew on. <laughs> uh, um, money. Yeah, I definitely do think there is uh, demonic will mm. kind of programmed into the nature of money. To some degree, but I think here it's worth disaggregating the functions of money. I think the 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 classic evil that is attributed to money in the famous Shakespeare quote, and you know, in in much of culture, is more the it's not the store of value. I think the store of value aspect is non demonic. This is mm. my I, I'm riffing here. I haven't thought about this deeply, but I think the hard money store of value function is not so demonic. There's 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 miser. There's the miser problem. That's a sin to be a mm. miser. So maybe that kind of flirts a little bit with the store value function. But I think the hard function of store value is relatively non-demonic. It's the it's the fungible um, exchange quality that basically Marx most famously diagnosed. It's the it's the uh, the reification, the ability for money to uh, make all of the material world seem commensurable. Uh, to make all of existence seem and feel commensurable. Mm -hmm. This flattening, mm -hmm. this flattening capacity that money has that Marx most famously diagnosed with the with the famous phrase, all that is solid melts into air with capitalism. Well, it's it's brilliant. That that, that is the problem. Or the famous, that famous diagram that one can produce from the, the first volume of capital, the MCM dynamic, where um that that I think is the locus of of money's kind of intrinsically demonic. Uh, th there's an intrinsically demonic seed. Well, I think I think I think that that mindset is actually it's it's a false mindset, right? The idea that everything is fungible because that has a monetary value. It's not true. Like this this room right here, it costs a certain amount to rent. All the equipment in it costs a certain amount. So so a money minded person would say like this room is worth X. But the fact that we're here now and we're getting to use this particular room and we're making something in it, like that's non fungible. Like to some extent, like you, you never see the same river twice, right? Like, uh, right. Um, so, so there, there's, there is a, a non fungibility of experience. Um, but money does have this effect of, of, of making it seem as if nothing yes, is. Yes. If you, if, if you believe that, then right. I think you are thoroughly possessed. Uh, and, and there is that temptation to, to demonic possession. And do you agree though, that there's, there's something intrinsic to money that does that there, there is a weirdly powerful, force that money as a technology as a, as a form of exchange uh it has a way of uh, uh inculcating the world with this perceived sense of radical fungibility radical well, commensurability yeah you, you but you look at um i mean i think it, it does spread that ideology but i just think it's false and that that is where the demonic comes in is getting you to believe something that is not true because if, if everything was fungible, then the richest people would be the happiest and it would be monotonic, right? But th that's clearly not true. Like Johnny Depp is like a fucking mess. 
uh, of a human being. And he, uh, and he makes tens of millions of dollars for every movie he does. Um, and, uh, but, but he can't buy happiness, you know, you know, you know, he spends $10 million a year on like wine and like another $10 million on drugs. And he does a hundred million dollar movie and he blows it all in five years. And then he, and, and, and he hits rock bottom again and again. And, and he's like, where's my happiness? I can't find it. Uh, and, and, and it's because happiness is actually non-fungible. You can't actually buy it. Um, I'm tempted to, but to I, I think that, that money is not demonic. My, my theory is that, that mammon, uh, the demon is actually parasitic on money. Like that, that is the, um, mm. that is the base layer that he uses to corrupt people's hearts and minds. Um, and, uh, that, that, that's my, that's my take on it. Do you have any takes here, Josh? You don't have to. Yeah. I well, know. I mean, money is for expressing value and it's for exchanging for value in something. If you love money, but value nothing, you, uh, there's just an emptiness there. Um, you, it's, it's almost like it's something that needs to have a channel through it um, onto some other greater end. And if you don't have that, then your will gets kind of locked up um, or it, goes nowhere i don't know if that yeah. makes sense yeah definitely it's... definitely i guess i just think I, that i, I yeah. want to interrupt we have a second super chat i think it's just important that we read it because yeah sure they're we special also, we can also come to it at the end of this conversation okay because it's about urban so we're gonna got, we're gonna pause yeah, it. i got my eye on it okay. um cool. i mean what i think what i want to say here is that two things one is that it's it's probably power is the real general root of the evil mm -hmm, on hand here mm -hmm. and in some ways money is the most general form of power in some ways it's like it's like an advanced form of channeling measuring distributing exchanging and, yeah. and calculating and power can power. be well exercised yeah like it mm -hmm. can be used for good things when there's a, a purpose to the power right but it, it it can also be used for essentially nothing other than it's you know exercise in and of itself which mm -hmm. is sort of the same as, as with money yeah so the problem is that both of these are tools for accomplishing something but that there needs to be a, a meaning there's a there's a meaning to life and that's something you need to define and if you neglect to define it well then you end up bitter and resentful right so would say. can i can i i want to talk about the girardian girardian nature of money Preach, brother Preach. All, right. all right so so money is a negotiated uh, pact for how we deal with things that many people want that everybody wants like everybody wants whiskey right clearly uh so so we decide that whiskey is worth twenty dollars and so you have to give up something that everybody else wants in order to get this thing that 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 everybody else the, the things that many people want because how do you decide who gets this bottle of whiskey right like there, there's there's billions. I, I decide. There's billions of people in this world. So so we have the system of money to deal with fungible things. Fungible things are th those things that are desired by very many different people, but can only be consumed by by a few people. They're rivalrous, particular goods. Um, now, I think there are many things that are not like this. And 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 when you and to get to your point, Justin, like like uh, when when you see the world as being composed of only other people's wants that you're competing with them for the thing that they want um then you're in a very zero-sum world and, and it's all about money um but there are things that that nobody else could want um because because they're very particular like like your experience of your wife like yeah, you when, when you two are alone like that's 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 particular right 
it's it's something that nobody else will ever experience. Um, and it, <laughs> or go I, mean, I mean, not even necessarily, but you, when you're just hanging out and you're enjoying each other's company, right? Gotcha. Like, or, or right now, like, like me with YouTube, like, like right. this thing, like I can't even describe it. The like, audience is going to love if it. I was going to describe this as a product, like getting to be in my spot on this podcast as a product that I could sell. First of all, I can't do that. That's magic, right? I can't like give you this experience. And, and like, second of all, it, like it wasn't that great. It was like pretty good, but uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a peak experience of my life or anything. Oh, uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like this is a, you're never coming back on this podcast. <laughs> this is a particular thing that yeah. can't be desired by, the, by the seven billion people in the world, so so I can't sell it. But it's money, like, but money does lead people to think you can buy and exactly. sell it anything. Exactly. That's the problem. Mm. That's the that's the root of evil. I'm trying to focus yeah, on. Exactly right. You, you get money, you can have anything. In an advanced moneyed economy, people do generally start to feel and think as if everything has a price. Because mm. once there's enough liquidity in an advanced moneyed economy, there are going to be potential sums of money that most human beings have a hard time saying no to, right? So it's like in times past, someone might say that, you know, um, their naked body is literally priceless, right? They're in time, not even a few hundred years ago, right? Any decent young woman would, would never even think about selling a picture of their body. It would be literally, that's just considered priceless. But as, as a moneyed economy becomes more culturally dominant, at, everything comes to have a price. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, that price becomes hard to hard for humans to resist. That's that's the root of evil in money, I think. And and I think that an artist or a theologian has their eyes on the things that cannot be bought, and they they they're seeking after those things that cannot be bought, and and they their world is full of things that cannot be bought. They I like see, that. they see it yeah, all over definitely. the place, mm-hmm. um, and and money to them becomes a tool. It's it's only a vehicle. It's a vessel. It's a it's like a temporary passage to through on their path to to the that thing that cannot be bought that they're chasing after. Um, and, and to me, that's the that's the pure way to live, right? That's that's the way. That that is the way. Based mic drop, boom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you just popped a bunch of eardrums. Yeah. Sorry, you okay. told me to. Okay. Views are up, so I think people like your 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 preaching yeah. there. I like yeah. it. I like it. Good. Oh yeah. So we had a super chat. Let me read it. Here, do you still have some energy? You good? Yeah. Good. I don't want to overtax you. You're the guest of honor. I wish. I'm happy for you. Way to be the guest of honor. Yeah. I'm, right. the, I'm the guest, guest of. of I'm just the guest. Oh, no, you're, the, you're the guest. You're the regular. You're the regular. Regular. No, your regular is good. Yeah. The regular is even more special of a role. It is. Um. All right. The question here is from Reed Perry. The question is. Is Urbit concerned about getting their bank account shut down like Gab? What is the contingency for this? What say you? Yeah. Well, um, everything after, after, after. Yeah. No, I mean, we're not. We're, I mean, Urbit isn't, uh, for one, Urbit is not big enough yet uh, to really be all that concerned about this. We would be at some point, ideally. Um, I mean, it's a hard question because, we haven't thought about it primarily as bank account. We thought about it as, well, what happens if the services that we rely on start getting shut down? I mean, that has something been something that came into consciousness, particularly around around the month of January. Uh, we thought about, well, you know, like the hosting services. Was uh, there some event down. that triggered it or what? Well, yeah, it was what happened with Parler when we saw, uh, you know, okay. like 
we saw Amazon um, and, and Apple and Google all band together and shut down this infrastructure. It's like, okay, well, what are all the dependencies that we have that are um, on things that we haven't built that aren't Urbit? And yeah. there are a number of those. You know, we, I mean, we have our, our Urbit.org is hosted on Netlify, you know, so there's one. Right, right. Like at one level, we're dependent on DNS. Like DNS is still a centralized thing that can still get shut down. Um, so we're definitely not totally impervious to attacks that make it very difficult to do business. Um, that could come from many different angles and a bank account is one of those things. Um, the way that we, you know, ideally remain impervious to that kind of thing is by actually being neutral infrastructure. We are not trying to be a, an escape hatch from the internet of censorship. That is one potential use case of Urbit, but it is not necessarily the primary one. We're personal computing. Like just, which just means that it's a computer that you own. Uh, you own your social graph. And once you start using it and doing things with it, no one can actually know what you're doing with it. So we can't know. Like part of the problem with things like Parler, for instance, is they, be, they got a very big reputation for being this haven for people that had alternative political views, generally of a specific breed, and they had shit security. And so everything got hacked and it was very obvious exactly what was going on there because they're the exact same kind of platform as everything else, mm. which is something that can be hacked. Um, and all the information is in one place. We're not that. Mm. Uh, it's it, it, there, there isn't a way to hack Urbit. You can get a hold of someone's keys and you can get a hold of what they have, but not everyone. You right. You have, can't even know how many users you have <laughs> total. No, we <laughs> yeah. don't even know. Yeah, like, yeah. We don't know what people are saying. We don't know what, yeah, yeah we don't know how many, how, how many people are on Urban or using it every day. You probably also have relatively very little info on the individuals, right? We do. Yeah. We don't know who they are. Right. Um, unless they dox themselves. Right. Um, and most people don't. There's all kinds of people I talk to all the time and I have no idea who they are. Yeah. Uh, they're just some, you know, some planet. That so has, you're significantly less vulnerable than something like parlor for these reasons, not completely and fully invulnerable, but significantly yeah. less vulnerable. Yeah. It's always possible for, you know, someone to decide that urban poses a threat because there could be all kinds of activity going on there. That's very nefarious. And there certainly could be, it's just that there isn't really a way to find out. Right. Um, and we're, we, we do really, we, we do not want to align ourselves with any particular we're neutral and anyone can use this for their own personal computing. That's mm -hmm. it. Right. It's like, what's the politics of Unix? <laughs> Spelled U-N-I-X or E-U-N. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Which Unix is actually a play. This on. is interesting though. So yeah. it sounds like you must have done at least some kind of, as a team, some kind of uh, contingency planning. You're, yeah. you're thinking a little bit. So yeah, we thought about it. Could you, could like, you give happen? us a glimpse of well, that? Yeah. Like well, in, I, I, in, in I, I, a worst would, case scenario, like what would I, you? I would just like to add one thing. Uh, which is the thing I was thinking of earlier, which is that, which is that Urbit, um, Urbit doesn't have a bank account. Uh, Urbit is That's also very correct. Ur Urbit, Urbit is Urbit a, Urbit is a protocol. Urbit is email. Urbit is RSS. Urbit is Bitcoin. Urbit yeah, is, is just an open or maybe, project, maybe right? Urbit is BitTorrent where, um, you know, all, all these things that people have, um, you know, uh, been opposed to some of these protocols at various points in time, but they're very hard to shut down. Yeah. Like the, the point of Talon, the company is to launch Urbit. So at this point, if Talon was, you know, was killed, it would significantly hurt Urbit or slow it down. But still, there, there are people working on Urbit that don't belong, that aren't at Talon. Right. So it would, that's Talon, right. If and Talon that's got my... taken down, it wouldn't take down the Urbit network. No. Right. I mean, it would slow development. Sure. It would slow it down. Right. Like we wouldn't be able to pay our GitHub bill. Right. 
Although we could definitely sell a star or two and then pay our GitHub bill for like the next two years. Um, I mean, we have people working now on Urbit that get paid nothing. They do it just because they like it because it's open source. And that's what happens with open source. People work on things because they vote with their time that this is actually worth working on. It's fun um, and valuable. Um, we have people that work in a full-time capacity on Urbit just for address space because they believe in the project so much. And I have a hard time imagining that if Talon got shut down and ceased to be a company that could continue paying its engineers that all these engineers would just walk away and you know, say, oh, well, you know, okay, I'm going to go work at Facebook. Like, no, they're going to keep working on it. We have someone that left Urbit years ago who was one of the early employees that is still the first to comment in just about every pull request um, because he cares about the project. So I'm, you know, at one level, like, yeah, there's a contingency plan because this could happen. The, the climate we're in seems to be getting more ridiculous uh, by the day. Um, so, you know, shit, yeah, anything could happen. Um, but, you know, existentially, no, we're not that worried because we've built infrastructure that is pretty hard to shut down. Right on. Good answer. Great. That's fascinating. Yeah, I never really thought about that, but you explain it well. There's another super chat here from, let me read it. I'm uh, getting so many super chats, Justin. got Simon Kovacs here. Your, your baby's going to go to a really good college. Oh, Simon, Kovacs. Simon Kovacs says, here's a potentially demonic $20. What what a pleasure to see this pop up on YouTube. Uh, JM, love what you do. Thank you, Simon. Appreciate that. Uh, Urbit is the future. Check it out. All right. Just a message of goodwill. Thanks for that. Yeah, keep, keep an Appreciate eye on our it. blog. Uh, you might be seeing something from Simon Kovacs in not too long. Nice. Oh, can you go tell us more or what? You'll see. Okay, interesting. He, so, is he an active urbiter? Uh, he he's an author. He's an author. Yeah, he's he's writing about urbit. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, he's writing a book. Oh, right on. In urbit. In urbit. Oh, cool. So, an example of some interesting content creation going on mm -hmm. behind the walls of urbit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a little bit of an experiment. It's like, okay, I'm writing a book. It's about the internet and about urbit, and also let me write it in urbit um, and see what it's like to actually write a book in public oh so, very cool i'll keep my eyes peeled for that and simon you should send me an email if you want yeah, yeah, like to there'll be a little, a little uh, preview of that coming up on the blog pretty soon right on and, and i just want to uh, just to follow up a little bit so um now the urbit address space like it's fungible for ethereum right it's denominated in ethereum it has ethereum prices it's yeah i mean they're the urbit address space are non-fungible tokens okay that but there are prices that are established for those in aggregate um, yeah. So I, I guess if Talon was shut down, whoever controls the galaxy, whoever has the, the private keys that control the galaxies, the Ethereum private keys that control the galaxy address space would still be able to issue planets or stars and planets and, and hand them out to people. So like basically whoever are the major galaxy lords um, could still have a valuable set of property that they could use to incentivize people to work on orbit. Correct. And they would be incentivized to use it for that Correct. because they would have their wealth in, in yeah. Urbit. Okay. That's that's the whole point of the Urbit Foundation. So the so the corporation with its bank account, um, Talon, um uh is, is certainly one entity that owns probably does it own any address space or is it all private individuals? Yeah, Talon owns quite a bit of address space. Okay. Um there's about twenty five percent of the total address space that is denominated for Urbit.org. I don't know exactly how oh, that's much Talon. That's a lot. It's about 50% that Talon has. Mm. Um, a lot of that has been given out to employees, um, people that have decided to work on Urban. Um, and then roughly another 25% has been sold for bootstrapping um, initial funds to actually build Urban in the first place. And that's owned by a very diverse variety of people. 
Um, there's some, you know, I've heard that there are Orthodox monks that own some, um, <laughs> there are farmers that own some, there are venture capitalists. Um, there are, I want to hear about the Orthodox monks. That I bet some. you do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, if you're, if there are any Orthodox monks, pick, pick my, yeah, yeah. Now that don't hit me up, DM uh, me or, um, yeah, email like me. Hear you. They, come they, on the pod they, if you want. They, I'm interested in this too. Yeah. They, they, they should not be watching live streams on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be. Yeah. Unless they have permission from so their abbot. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, and this is, I mean, this is another reason that we like to give address space out for in exchange for development is because we actually want it to be decentralized. Um, Talon is actually very careful in the way that they sell it because they don't want anyone to have all that much of it because if they did, it would sort of defeat the purpose of the whole network. Um, I, I've, I've always been very impressed with them. They're a very ethical company um, and that they actually do, they follow along with the beliefs of what the project represents, um, even though it makes doing business a bit harder. Very kind words for uh, for Talon from a member of urban.org. Yeah. You no know, separate organization. Yeah, right. um, yeah. I think you guys should you should emphasize trying to get some owners in different national jurisdictions. I, I don't know if you already have, but I think yeah. those I tend to be we do. okay. Right. Those those tend to be major cleavages in culture, mm -hmm. and and I think that culture is what matters most. That's true. Start with getting the Pope on there. Yeah, start with getting the Pope Big a client. galaxy. Big I think client. the Pope deserves a galaxy. Yeah, Seems you know, fair. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, Catholic myself, but dude, they have mad money. They could buy it so much address space. Totally <laughs> yeah. A galaxies are one of those things that money can, can money buy. I don't know. <laughs> galaxy owners are like pretty, pretty thrilled to be galaxy owners. Galaxy brained, one might say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, so in star, like, what, what does a star go for nowadays? Uh, uh, five grand, something like that. No, five grand, just shy of five grand. All right, what so, was that cost like a year ago or two years ago? Give well, us a sense well, of well, well, galaxy is 256 stars, right? So mm -hmm. a galaxy is roughly uh, uh, doing math on stream is, is is about 10 million dollars. It's what it should be worth, but you know I don't know exactly what they are because they tend to trade over the counter. But real quick, yeah. just simpler math is uh, just a sense of the price of a star over time. So it's five thousand now. What was it like a year ago or two years or six months ago? It was twenty five hundred. Really? Okay. Yeah. So the price of the price of address space the price of address space is increasing. Yeah. Pretty rapidly. Is it? Is it? I'm guessing it's highly correlated with e Ether or Bitcoin or. It's correlated, but not highly. Okay. Because, er, er, like, there aren't really any exchanges that trade mm. NFTs right now. Um, they're a they're a difficult thing to trade. So it isn't liquid enough to have the kind of correlation that we can monitor, like you see with something like Ethereum or Bitcoin. It does generally seem to be the case that when Bitcoin does very well. Urban address space also does very well. And you could say, well, yeah, when, it, when Ethereum does, but that's also when Bitcoin does well. So. Right. So obviously this is not financial advice and you're an interested party, but I'm, curi I'm curious yeah. as someone who's, you know, a true believer in the long-term future of Urbit ballpark, like what do you expect the price of a star to be worth in the future? Well, just today, like the price of a planet tends to be about $20 and a star can issue 65,535 of those. So you could do the math on how many planets a star hmm. could actually sell, right? That's hmm. over a million dollars huh. just in planets. Huh. Not to mention that a star is network infrastructure and can provide services, which it has the ability to provide services built into the network. Interesting. In a recurring capacity. So, Dude, the like, people that are selling their planets right now, they're, they're, they're getting a good deal. They are. Buying a planet right now is a great deal, except for the fact that Ethereum is super congested and gas mm. fee will cost you a lot. Right. But buying a planet is a one-time thing. You know, even if you have to spend $200 for the cost of your planet and gas fees, that's a one-time expense. Like a lot of people I know spend that much going out to a nice dinner on a Friday night. 
right? It's, it's not unheard of. $200 is not that much for a computer that you're going to own forever for the rest of your life and no one can ever take away from you, right? Even if a lot of that is an Ethereum gas fees. Um, and hopefully uh, Pope Vitalik will eventually bring down the, the Ethereum gas fees. Hopefully Pope Vitalik will. Um, and whether or not Pope Vitalik does or not, we're going to bring the gas fees down. Um, we've got a lot of work going on on this front. We did a developer call um, you know, last week where we talked about the range of solutions for solving this and the one that we've invented called Naive Rollups. Um, Philip Monk um, came up with the solution and has talked about this a lot on our mailing list as well. This is in the works um, and promises to reduce the gas fee cost for owning urban address space by about 100x. Um, best case, maybe well, 60 that's, worst case. That's so quite, pretty quite impressive. So Super through. exciting stuff, man. Yeah, It's all awesome. Well, I'm, ha I'm, I'm happy we did this last 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah no, this is awesome. Guys. Thanks for coming yeah. on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, I yeah, hope you hope you enjoyed it. And Jacob, thanks yeah. for uh, recruiting a good guest. My, my role and for joining us for being on this podcast is every time I'm here, we must talk about something that's not financial advice. And then and then, trying to get away from the day trader, and, and, then, and then we end it. And then and then secondly, um, no, we must talk about something that's oh, I not see, financial I see. advice. Yeah. And then secondly, we must uh, get to an hour and then have me say like a little bit more time, and then. <laughs> And then uh, 10 more minutes and then go for 30 more minutes. Like, All right. This is the Other Life Podcast. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. Subscribe to the channel. Click the little bell to get a notification anytime we go live. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in getting on Urbit, it's now super easy. There's a link in the show notes. You can just use Klon's hosted Urbit service and get on with no problem. You don't have to use the terminal or anything crazy like that if that's confusing to you. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in contributing, uh, this is the guy who hands out grants. So uh, there's also a link to more information about that if you want to get involved somehow, if you have something valuable to offer. If you don't have something valuable to offer, don't apply for a grant. Just fuck off. Well, you can still subscribe to my channel. I'm glad to have you. Just uh, don't apply for money if you don't have anything valuable to offer. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Jacob, Josh, it's been fun. Later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there, so check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. I'll see you here next time.